Welcome to the Our Safe Harbor Church podcast. Here you can listen to our Sunday sermon, Monday morning message, and midweek Bible study. We hope you will consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, but please be sure to check out our website at www.OurSafeHarbor.com to learn more about us and find ways to get involved. Our Safe Harbor Church, we are with you wherever you are. In the movie, A Time to Kill, uh, based on the book written by John Grisham of the, by the same name, there was a man named uh, Carl Lee, uh, played by Samuel L. Jackson. He was, uh, Carl Lee Haley was a gentle black man, and uh, he was striving just to provide a uh, living uh, for his family in that small uh, uh, southern town. The uh, daughter, his little daughter, was uh, heading to the grocery store, and uh, she was uh, picked up, uh, uh, raped, and uh, left for dead. And Carl Lee was was uh, quite beside himself. Uh, he knew that, uh, and he was hearing that uh, it was most likely that the uh, two young men would probably get off with a pretty minor, uh, a minor uh, sentence. And he took it upon himself to uh, to get a an assault weapon. Uh, he hid in the courthouse waiting for the arraignment, and when the boys were brought in from the police station to the courthouse, he proceeded to kill both of them. And this prompted uh, quite a stir in the community, and uh, he was arrested and uh, taken to trial for capital murder. The man uh, was, uh, was quite uh, livid in that he, uh, was not, uh, he was not ashamed of what he did when he was talking to his defense attorney, but his defense attorney tried to get a uh, plea of uh, temporary insanity. And that was the goal to, uh, to defend Carl Lee. Carl Lee then uh, uh, proceeded to uh, go to trial, and uh, the trial proceeded as you would expect any trial to do. And, uh, and at the, near the end of it, the prosecuting attorney, uh, he said, Do you believe they deserve to die, Mr. Haley? And that uh, prompted uh, the judge to say, uh, uh, you're out of order, and then it's uh, the uh, attorney, uh, Carl Lee's attorney, said, uh, "Don't answer that, Carl Lee." And Carl Lee was quite beside himself at that point, and he said, "Yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell." That statement uh, sent the courthouse into uh, into into a pandemonium, and uh, it was a very strong, strong uh, portion of the uh, of the movie. And it moved uh, a lot of people to have strong feelings, either pro or con. I hope they burn in hell, was what he said. And, you know, you think back to what happened was his little uh, young uh, five, six-year-old daughter was uh, brutally uh, raped and uh, left for dead. And you think, well, is this uh, a time to kill? And that was the name of the book. What does it take for people to deserve to burn in hell? Uh, do you uh, do you have to harm? Uh, does someone have to harm your family? Is that what it takes, or do they have to cause a mass genocide of an entire nation, or or perhaps they fly uh, aircraft into the twin towers? Is that what prompts you to say it's a time to kill? 
uh, they need to burn in hell. And, and what justifies burning in hell? Let's drive a stake in the ground there and question, uh, uh, question that in a moment. God needs to be considered in this question. Uh, in the book, Grace Saves All, David Artman argues that uh, the grace that saves alone and goes to all. Grace saves alone and it goes to all. This inclusive approach to Christianity is variously called universal reconciliation, universal salvation, or perhaps most accurately Christian universalism. He contends that the inclusive universalist approach is necessary because it offers the only Christian theology which successfully defends the goodness of God. For it logically follows that if God is all good, all knowing, all powerful, then God must also be all saving. He's a universalist, obviously. In the book that all shall be saved by David Bentley Hart, he makes the case that nearly two millennium of uh, dogmatic tradition has misled readers, you and I, uh, on the critical matter of universal salvation. On the basis of the earliest Christian writings, theological tradition, scripture, and logic, Hart argues that if God is the good creator of all, he is the savior of all, without fail. And if he's not the savior of all, then the kingdom is really only a dream. But that, that is, there's just no such thing as eternal damnation to that author. There's no such thing. In the book, Patristic, Patristic Universalism, David Burnfield says that in, from the earliest days of the church, there have always been three views on what happens to those who die without knowing Christ. Damnation annihilation, or restoration. Patristic universalism presents scriptural, philosophical, and historical support for the restoration view and demonstrates why it is the model advocated by some of the earliest and greatest church fathers. Now think about that. If you think about what you have heard and then think about the earliest church fathers wouldn't be in agreement with you on what you have heard. Now, Patristic Universalism is, is quite a book, and it will shock you when you read that book. And finally, an old book from the 1800s written by John Wesley Hansen, Universalism. We are challenged to see that the early church leaders believed everyone will be saved because God wants them saved. He makes two points, and I found this, these to be shocking. The treatment of people in the first century, the slaughter of the innocent in the Colosseum, and the way that the population viewed that slaughter, uh, and they welcomed that slaughter, can only lead us to the conclusion that church leaders could only believe that tyrants would be saved if it came from above. That idea came from God, not from man. And secondly, in the catacombs near Rome, 
there exists uh, representations of Jesus carrying uh, a critter. The critter is not a, a lamb. He's not carrying sheep. He's carrying goats. And you remember the separation of the sheep and the goats that Jesus alluded to? It's interesting that in those catacombs, you don't find Jesus carrying a, a lamb. He's carrying a goat. These books are just resources, and uh, they lead us to be challenged that maybe the future of mankind may not be burning hell. Uh, I want, though, to suggest that you go back and listen to uh, Patrick Mead's uh, Monday morning messages. Uh, there you're going to find uh, some more resources that might challenge where you, where you come down on this topic. In the first, first one, it was presented uh, at the beginning of this year, who told you that universalism ruins everything? That was a that was a good a good lesson, well worth hearing and hearing again. Secondly, and here was a series a six part series. Who told you about hell? Part one, the concepts that of that we have of hell originated outside the Bible. Oh, is it forever? This video was posted about two years ago. In uh, Hell Part 2, who told you about Hell Part 2, this is an exploration of the meaning of forever, everlasting and eternal. What do these words mean? In Part 3, words meaning changes, uh, word meanings change, and Patrick presents 24 representative, representative scriptures that challenge our idea of hell. The Bible is just not clear on the afterlife. An interesting part three. Part four, who told you about hell? There are some who hold an anti, uh, this is a hard word to say, <laughs> annihilation, uh, one, that, one that believes in annihilation. Forgive me for the, uh, for the uh, the, the issue with the words. But rather than burning eternally, they hold the view that they just cease to exist. They're annihilated. And part five, who told you about hell part five? The Greek word and the Hebrew word used to translate eternally means it lasted only as long as it needed to, not time without end. Do you remember the phrase, as one escaping through the fire? Interesting application. Who told you about hell part six? Fire is not intended to cause harm and punishment, but to refine. To refine our behavior, to refine the individual, and to make them acceptable uh, to God. What do we know? God wants everyone saved. Does God love and plan to save those that I hold in contempt? I mean all that I hold in contempt. Does God love and plan to save those that I hold in contempt? Calvinism says that God is strong enough to save everyone, but God does not want to save everyone. Thus, everyone is not saved. Arminianism said God is not strong enough to save everyone, but God does want to save everyone. Thus, everyone is not saved. But universalism, 
God is strong enough to save everyone, and God does, does want to save everyone, and as a result, everyone is saved. Some, like Edward Fudge, Dr. Edward Fudge, hold the view that uh, those who have rejected Jesus will just cease to exist. That's the word I couldn't, I couldn't pronounce a moment ago. Uh, annihilationism. There it goes. Okay. If you want, you want to watch a fascinating movie, try Hell and Mr. Fudge. It's about the life story of Edward Fudge and about the pressures he was put under because of his view that not everyone is going to burn eternally in hell who do not accept Jesus. Uh, and the movie is based on the loss of a childhood friend who was kind of a, a character. And he, he got killed in an automobile wreck, and he carried with him, he asked his dad in the movie, uh, you know, is, is uh, so-and-so going to burn in hell for eternity? And, you know, that's a question that his dad would have said yes, but Edward spent his entire life on this topic. Some hold that hell exists, but it's remedial. That's another view that, that uh, we, we've talked about. But uh, one view is that after, after uh, hell, all of those will come to Jesus. After they go through a period of remediation, they'll, they'll all come to Jesus. And there's another twist to this that says uh, some will still say, I don't want any part of Jesus, and they will be annihilated. They'll be ceased to exist. So what's all this mean? God loves and plans to save everyone. That we know. God loves and plans to save those that I hold in contempt. Uh-huh. What would change if we presented a message that says all people are loved no matter what? And I mean really presented it and believed it. What would change if you treated everyone like they were saved? What would happen? Remember, it is impossible to look at anyone that God does not love. And he loves the sheep and he loves the goats. That's our God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. We began this video by considering the courtroom uh, declaration of a character, Carly Haley, expressing his hope that those two young men burn in hell. Jesus looked at those who nailed him to the cross and forgave them. Here's a takeaway from this video. There's nothing you can do to make Jesus love you less. There's nothing you can do to make Jesus love you less. And in addition to that, there is nothing you can do to make Jesus love you more. There is nothing you can do to make Jesus love you more. God bless you and rejoice in your salvation.